0: Jr.
1: Hello, I'm Lee. Hi, I'm Matt.
0: Okay, I'm going to throw two things out there and then you two can argue me down. Okay. Okay, I'm going to put them both in a very blunt nutshell and then perhaps expand upon them. Number one, pure historical. Mm -hmm. Number two, 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it right up from the top. Yeah. I don't think there was anything wrong, anything I would have changed about that episode. I thought it was, well, best one since uh, (laughs) Hellbent. But, uh, yeah, so pure historical.
2: That's the impression. So that was what I suddenly started to realise halfway through. When he said it. wasn't going to be. And it was a a bit like last week. It's obviously better than last week. But a bit like last week, where it's actually pure science fiction, really sort of stripped down. This is still stripped down. This is still kind of back to basics. But it's just much more richly done, much better done.
0: And a much more emotional connection. But we'll get all into that yeah, stuff yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk. Let's just do the pure historical thing first. Mm-hmm. Okay, obviously, there was a great big serpent under the yes, Thames. Yeah. So it wasn't so, a pure historical and the, in the sense that
2: And they used a sonic screwdriver yeah, yes. in various
0: places. But well, you know, but, I mean, they could have done the story without that. Yeah, yeah. But it's
2: like Black Orchid in the sense that Black Orchid's a pure historical... Apart until we go to the TARDIS. The TARDIS. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But, yes, okay, there's a great big serpent under the Thames. Yeah. So, obviously, it's not the Reign of Terror or the Romans yeah. or the Aztecs or whatever. But... Ever since the series has come back, people have been saying, why can't we have a pure historical? And the BBC laid down a diktat to Russell T. Davis right at the start. Monsters. Mm -hmm. When you go back into history, we want monsters. We've got to have monsters. Yeah. And, you know, I'm always saying, Stephen Moffat listens to criticisms and listens to suggestions. And insofar as he is A-able and B has the wherewithal, thinks they're good ideas, or good criticisms, or good suggestions, he would generally address them. And I think this episode was him addressing the suggestion that there should be a pure historical. And this was as close as we are probably going to get. But also, also I think... Sorry,
2: me? No, go
1: on. Oh,
0: also, I think, Sarah, you have to...
2: Factor in Sarah Dollard as well because it's <clears throat> there are very close similarities with Face the Raven as well that kind of texture. Yeah, so he may, he may very well have said have given Sarah Dollard the the sort of the the definitions of what he wanted to write. Oh, right. But it's
0: none of the writers who come in have a free hand. No, no. And generally speaking, they will be. I mean, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. The writers who go into Doctor Who will be given a story to write. Mm. And the stories all start with Stephen Moffat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Sarah so, Dollard. We'll get into is, that. Yeah, yeah, but okay. but okay. Mm-hmm. but insofar as I would understand the situation, I would say he has said to Sarah Dollard, let's have the nearest thing to a pure historical we can have. Right. Uh, I was I just actually,
1: about to say that's exactly what I would say. It's the nearest thing that we can get away with. Yeah. Because there's obviously a monster in it that, let's face it, we don't have that monster roaming about on Earth at the moment, we might have done in the well. World. We do because it's living
0: in Loch Ness. <laughs>
1: yeah, matey with Scarison. Mm. but uh, it was beautifully done. And the, the fish, the giant fish, whatever we're going to be calling it, silicant. No, it was more like um, scarisson pilot, not a pilot fish. They got? The bombs. The little oh right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, it looked a little bit like um, had the same jawline as a piranha. Right, but yeah, it's, it's so. not bad. There
0: are a, a bit like silicants as well.
1: I suppose, but they're more kind of armoury. They've got yes. like bits of armour yeah. and scales, yeah. kind of higgledy-piggledy on the body. Mm. Uh, but it was, it was massive. I don't know how it got underneath the bridge, but no, apart yeah. from that aside... I well, presumably it it's
0: lived there since it was smaller and it's grown. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is exactly... And, been, and, of, and that was part of the story that they've been feeding it to make it grow, yeah. to give them more fuel. Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a hand of a basketball. Well, it's, it's got that kind of hand of a basketball yeah, feel yeah. to it, except a bit more explicit. And in any other story, in any earlier story, the 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 snobbish lord that's that's doing the dirty would have been controlled by some sort of uh, it would have been a in robot, any other Robot Who story. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 It would have been a robot of Sherwood or a, yeah, yeah. or a what's the what's the Cyberman one with Mrs. Hartigan. Um, next Doctor. Next Doctor. doctor. It would yeah. have been one of those sorts of things. And here, but, and you felt that like I was waiting for them to do that up until halfway, where I realised actually. This is a really sort of small scale. Well, the scene where he punches a big, him a big f off mm. monster.
0: The scene where he punches it was mm. where yeah. it makes it explicit that it's yeah. not going to do what you expect it to yeah. do, and it's going to yeah. go the other way. And mm. he says, yeah. I got what was the line of dialogue? I preferred you when you were an alien. Yes,
2: yeah.
1: Wasn't that the, the, when was the last time we seen we saw the doctor actually punch somebody in the face? Was it Tom Baker and to D? No, it? it's um, Matt Smith Math- did it. Yeah. yeah, when did he Famously. do
2: it? It was like um... first series, was it? I can't yeah, because it. it was in the trailer for for the Matt Smith, okay, for the first Matt Smith. Season. What he hit
1: somebody because he felt like he wanted to hit somebody, as opposed to hitting somebody to save them.
2: Oh yeah, he hit somebody because he. Um, oh, I can't yeah, remember. All right, fair enough. To, it, just it just had, had a very, very. I can't remember. I can remember very vividly uh, the a image very, of Matt Smith punching someone.
1: He had a very Tom Baker. Way about him tonight, I felt. Yeah, he generally um, does. Generally actually. does, yeah. But there was, the, you know, the the, the punch sort of was innovation. such good. I mean, it was it's such good a, punch.
2: a good signposted punchline to to the joke. I mean, that was a very Tom Baker moment. That yeah. was you that were was laughing. Like, you that, were that, laughing yeah, before like, we even got there. Was you like know, Tom was Baker saying to Leela, "Right, we've got to be really quiet. No, no noise through this." And you know that he's going to be the one to knock over the. Yeah. And yeah. you knew that that Capaldi was going to be the one punching. So I was laughing all the way through <laughs> the early bits of that scene.
1: I mean, when we say pure historical, I mean when you compare it to things like the Romans, we had Nero in the Romans, didn't we? So he's mm-hmm. a famous figure. Yeah, I was um, going to say Nero
2: was real. Nero was real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all that sure. kind of stuff. I
1: mean, I yeah. presume Sutcliffe is real. Uh, they were trying to prove a point, maybe by um, Bill. No, no, I fictional character. So everything about this is a bit fictional and very Dickensian. But. So yeah. it's not quite, a, it's more like fictional historical, no, yeah. no, the because Yeah,
0: but also the thing about those pure historicals from the 60s, not all of them, but most of them, would revolve around real people and a real event. The Romans and the uh, Great Fire of Rome. Yeah. In this, the character wasn't a person, but it was the Frostverse, mm. and the real event was this was the last frost fair and this was the day it thawed out. And it was signposted from the start Mm. of the episode. Mm. I mean, as soon as he said it's the day before the last frost fair thaws out, you're thinking, A, well, they're going to have something to do with it. That's why they're here. But also, B, that was a signpost at the start that whatever it was that had been causing the frost fairs, and obviously there are real... Um, not geographical, what's the word? Um, meteorological reasons mm. why the frost fairs happened, why the Thames froze. It was to do with an, uh, a volcano, wasn't it? Right. But you knew they were going to science fiction that up. Yeah, yeah. So, but because it said this was the last frost fair, you were also signposted from the start that whatever it was that was in the fiction that was causing it was going to be resolved so there wouldn't be any more. But the point is, as Nero was a character and the Fire of London was an event, so in this the Frost Fair was the character and the end of the Frost Fairs was the event mm-hmm. so it followed the trajectory yeah. of the historicals from the 60s so in
1: location alone we're, we're looking historically yeah, sorry i got a bit event. distracted
2: because now I want a Thawing frost, frost Fair to be included in Thor 4 the film <laughs> 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 just, just to see if it would. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, what were we talking about? You I were hope... mouthing the title. I know. I was. I, I wasn't completely ignoring what people were saying because I was trying to work out the thawing frost bear. <laughs> sorry.
1: So what would Thor? Thor be? Thor.
0: Thor. 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 Thor.
2: Thor. 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 Thor, Thor,
0: Thor, Thor. Thor the thawing frost bear. Shouldn't it be like <laughs> Thor Thor Alice or something? Thor for Deborah. Thor for Sarah. Possibly. And that would be scratched on a tree or something. Mm. Oh, of course. Yeah. In so, 1814,
1: yes. um, Thames would have looked a bit different as well, wouldn't it? It was a lot wider mm. and a lot more shallow. Is that right? I, I remember because, right. because before they built the embankment. Yeah, before so it became they much, built the embankment,
2: deeper. I think it was a bit, it was, I don't know. Which is why it could freeze. It. It. It must have been around that time, because maybe a bit later, because the Houses of Parliament weren't built until... Yeah, eighteen. 18,
1: 16, 18, 18, 18, 18. So long, I'm not, not entirely yeah, sure that that fish could hide under that water quite so well as it did in the episode. Well, it, it wasn't was, that
0: it wasn't big, a... to be fair. I mean, it was long, okay, but it when we saw it, it wasn't like it was like a hundred feet high. Mm. It was serpent-like, yeah, okay. but it wasn't huge, huge.
2: So I, I also liked, and this is similar to last week's episode can you
0: pause that thought okay and come back to it in a couple of minutes yes is that alright yeah I've paused it because there was something I wanted to do right at the start of this episode and I've messed up and I've realised I've not done it alright okay but I want to redress that and do it now okay Lee it's the aliens from the dark waters episode did you like it
1: Uh, yes
2: just a bit So what's it, So tell I've, me what, what the obsession was I,
1: I utterly cheered when he put on his diving Out, I was just thinking oh my god Is it either going to go under the yeah, water When what, Lee was
0: 18 he applied to be a lighthouse keeper Oh really I did
1: yeah And oh. one of the reasons why I was trying to work out why I was interested in lighthouses And wanted yeah. to become a lighthouse keeper And that did my obsession with that kind of thing And I also love Dark water, like going out and right, watching yeah. nighttime water. It's yes. a weird obsession, yeah. and I don't know where it okay. came from. But I, I do because I yes. had to write a, um, a piece for you and who, mm-hmm. um, and really think about where this obsession came from, and it's definitely Doctor Who, so it's Horror, Frank and of, yeah. the Pescatons tape. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, literally. So okay. I, I think in that piece, I said something like, come on, Stephen Moffat, why don't we bring back the Pescatons, have them crawling out the Thames again, and all this sort of thing. Right. So, and I know he's read it. And this went <laughs> out, yeah, yeah. but he
0: did this as the audio on You and Who Talking, like right. oh, yeah. it came out a, fortnight. Uh, okay. no, a week ago. Yeah, so how can, well, people get to ago. Listen,
1: how can people get to listen to this in jail?
0: Oh, this wasn't a plug, this was about you, Lee. The plug yeah. would definitely put a stop to Dark Water From <laughs> How do they listen to it though? Okay, well it's on the Doctor Who Shows podcast feed, so you look your, for the Doctor that's Who. That's an show. Australian one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But they do all sorts of things. It's oh, worth it's
1: worth listening to anyway, because <laughs> you know, not just because I've read some of oh, it. our friend Jenny Shirt's on there, mm-hmm. you know, Rob this little you've done. The one a piece that came of
0: that. out this week. By Steve Hatcher, and he talks about essentially he talks about the gen not the Genesis, but the history of the Hooverville group, Right. which is a sort of I think North Midlands Doctor Who group that puts mm. on conventions and mm-hmm. all sorts of other events. And his his essay that he does the reading of this week is like a history of that, but he goes into the people, mm. and it's some of the stuff is funny and it's beautiful and it's sad. There's some really sad bits in. The You and Who talking podcast just gets into people's souls. But I mean, You, you and Who anyway, so it was always a good idea. I've got to tell you also, there's are good... a couple of cracking ones coming up <laughs> in the next few weeks.
1: But the fact that people are reading them out as an audio should be great for anybody who may have visual impairment and can't actually read them in the first place. This is a great way of listening to the book. Hmm. But also it's just really nice hearing the people who wrote the stories read them out because mm. they've got that emotional attachment to them. So yeah. it's, um, I loved it. I love reading out aliens in dark waters. Yeah. This is, this is my episode. Your
0: next one will be on episode nine. If everything goes to plan, because oh, we've got several where people have done two and we thought we'd hold those in reserve. But then my idea, I, I went well, up my idea. I had an idea this week that I thought that by episode 10, we should have done everything that we're going to do so that the whole format is laid out in the first 10 episodes. Mm. So I thought we have to do an episode where we have two second readings. So your essay on... What was your P.S. Oh, on P.S. And that's a beautiful essay. Oh, thank you. And that'll be on episode nine. It's a beautiful coda. It'll be on episode nine. Right. If everything goes according to the plan we have Mm. this week. But you know, we we
1: have 50 years of Doctor Who to choose from and I chose the Pescotons tape and (laughs) P.S.
0: Back to thin eyes. Well, yeah, go on. So, so yeah, uh,
2: the thing that struck me at the beginning is, like last week, a lot of it is the Doctor and his companion exploring <clears throat> an alien environment. And it took its time. I know that there was a lot packed into the episode, but it took its time in in discovering it. It was a real sort of mystery that they were... They were unraveling.
0: There was a real engagement this yeah. week. Though.
2: And actually, like our, last week, I really liked the visual, the sense of location last week. I thought that was one of the stronger things. The, the cornfield, yeah, the it, Valencia architecture. It looked Here, beautiful. it really worked. I mean, it didn't look like... I mean, there were obvious special effects there, but yeah. it felt... This was the
1: opposite um, because obviously it's a lot more enclosed. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, it's outside on, a, on, a, on the Thames, Yeah. Fair, but it still felt very enclosed. It had the fog yeah. cleverly placed yes. so they didn't have to do any no. too much yeah. CGI work in the background, that sort of thing. But it, it, it did feel quite compact. A bit like Face of the Raven mm-hmm. also yes. was quite compact in one street and a, and a couple yeah. of little Victorian um, yeah. looking houses and things. Mm. So, you know, the way it was filmed was fantastic. Just a note on last week, I rewatched it. Because um, we both gave it quite a low score. I think you give it a mm-hmm. five and I give it a six. I thought I'd rewatch it without the kind of like HD thing that you've got going on downstairs. Yeah. FPS thing. Yeah, but it didn't change my opinion of it. But I did notice, and I think you might have put it in your Starburst review actually, is that the uh, pre title sequence, yes. if that had been ejected utterly and you saw bits of that through the episode, that would have been a great mystery. From right. the start, I think if you if anybody goes to watch it again, skip that bit. Just watch it from.
0: He's not talking about the Nardole bit. he's no. talking about the yeah. bit where we. Yeah, yeah. There.
1: Sorry, the, the the bit where they get they get killed by the, okay. uh, the nanobots at the beginning. Yes. Um, Rani, Rani's mum. Yes. But uh, yeah, if you skip that bit and just mm. start from the beginning of the episode, right? Suddenly you realise there's a mystery involved, and Very you true. as the viewer are getting involved in it. And I think that's mm. the mistake that was made. Okay. That's what I feel, anyway. You could have well similar, similarly. Similarly,
2: today the, in today's episode, they didn't show a death at the beginning. No. It started with them arriving, mm-hmm. and then the death happens quite a while into their their sort of. Yeah, they they discovered the frost fair first. That's right. Yeah. And then before and then they realised what they yeah, were yeah, investigating, so they set up the environment, which is a nice way around, I think. Yeah, it worked. This this week worked really well.
0: Yeah. I don't think it suffered from the things that um, Sarah Dollard's previous episode suffered from. Mm. And you know what my problems were with that is I thought there was a logic problem at the heart of it. Mm. Whether you agree or not, there was no logic problem at the heart of mm. this. Unless you have a logic problem with the fact that this serpent was there in the first place. But to be honest... If you've got a logic problem with that and you're watching Doctor Who, you know...
2: Well, If it, if anything, Face the Raven suffered from being the first part in a really complex, really involved trilogy which Stephen Moffat was spearheading. Mm. Whereas this was very much a standalone, simple story. Yeah, yeah. Again, designed to be the third part in the kind of an informal trilogy of reintroducing the Doctor. Introducing Bill. And she continues to be they continue to develop that character, I think. She continues to be interesting.
0: But the other, the other, the other <laughs> thing I thought unbalanced face the raven a bit was the opening 15 minutes where they're running around Cardiff stroke London, mm. which kind of... So if uh, there are any issues yeah. with this, any issues at all, any tiny niggles, there's a few special effects that don't quite live up to the job. But crying out loud, is Doctor Who. Yeah. Which ones? Oh, the ice cracking at yeah. the end. Oh yeah, yeah. And okay. the,
2: there's a but they saved that with the comedy hat oh, that's mm. flying up. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that genuinely because because he, he went down through the ice quickly, and if they hadn't have had the hat going up, there's something about the hat going up that connects. I don't know, above the ice to below the ice. It's a, it's a, a know, comedic well. moment, actually. Yeah, it a is a, a comedy comedic death.
0: moment, but it also does something visually. I think.
1: It's the opposite of the death that we got with a kid, which I thought was so well done.
0: Well, yeah, and the the point is, this guy doesn't deserve his death to be taken seriously. No. And so you can have a comedy death there, and everybody just says good riddance, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, oh my God, they've just killed a kid. And the bit where the hat comes floating across to Mm. Bill, and she realises whose hat it is.
1: I, I like that. And I, I think that the fact that we are addressing yet again, you know, well, not yet again, but in more depth, emotionally. Right, i come to her at a moment. Can yeah. I come to it now? Well, You're I interested. want to get
0: the other two slight niggles out of the way. Go on then. Well, well they're the not really niggles. They're just they're just points that are... Another one is, there's something at the centre of this that was also at the centre of The Empty Child... In other words, what's driving the Doctor's investigation into the plot is a bunch of street urchins who are nicking off people, feeding themselves, and really they're good kids who've just, you know, been left to fend for themselves. But, I uh, you know, The Empty Child was... 12 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So you can't really complain that they've repeated an idea 12 years later. Mm -hmm. It's like Robert Holmes would repeat ideas six weeks later.
1: When I wrote a story for the 12 Doctors of Christmas, not the one that was released recently, because that's obviously an official one, but we did an unofficial kind of like PDF download a few years about (coughs) raising money for charity. Anyway, the one I had was William Hartnell, Hartnell and I wanted to stick it in the Victorian era. I had a problem with time going on and he's got to solve it and all that business. But I couldn't make it work. And the only thing that made it better was to make it more Dickensian, make it more Oliver, mm. and bring in a couple of street urchins because it, I could then tell the story partly from their point of view. So they didn't get what this blue box was. They saw the doctor as a weird devil and you know they didn't understand this and didn't understand that. And coming from them you could you could explain the story as well in a in a, it's like a three way, mm. you know, uh, Description Say of, of, of the TARDIS landing, you can have somebody in the street, you can have the doctor walking out, and you can have the urchins telling mm. the story as well. And it's almost like you would definitely need these urchins in this story, otherwise, yeah. what else would you have?
0: Well, you need some way to get the doctor and Bill into what's going on, and that needs to be somebody who's already there. Yeah. Even if that person who's already there doesn't know what's going on, they need to know something that will, you know, the MacGuffin of the ship tattoo, whatever.
2: And you need them to be victims as well. And yeah. the perfect victims of this time are the, s- street, urchins. Are the yeah. street urchins. And there's yeah. also a sort of Baker Street irregular feel about them. Yeah, it's there is that Sherlock element. It's pre-Sherlock pre- yeah, yeah. pre- Holmes, but there's still that sort of feel of... Because they're kind yeah. of wise beyond their years. Yeah.
1: And also the fact that the doctors, you know, with the underclass, the lowest mm-hmm. of the low... Mm-hmm. Um, um, That's what he does. It's what he does, and he's there in his top hat. He's the one who yeah. looks like the gentleman, but actually, suddenly he becomes a fagin, doesn't he? <laughs> like yeah, a yeah, th- yeah. Just yeah. like flick of a
2: coin. But it also had to be there because a big part of the relationship, the, the developing relationship between the doctor and Bill, is the fact that he didn't show too much hmm. emotion at the death of the kid at the beginning, right? And was... it had to be at the death of a kid to make that that to make that as powerful as it was. If it was the death of the, the, the street con man, yeah. then we wouldn't find it because we're used to death. Yeah. So Bill could emotionally react to that, but we'd just think, well she's overreacting. But the death of a kid, it's yeah. always going to be quite a shock.
1: And she said I've never seen anybody die before.
2: It's yeah. like, oh yeah. Did she had thing. she not seen anyone die in the first episode? She no. saw sort of Moverlands well. being blitzed was that nobody died in the... Th- I did. I it, well, the did, Mavelins were It robots. doesn't really matter, I because you just yeah. push over it. But I, I think didn't what she find means myself... Is,
0: yeah, but I, th- but I think what you mean in that situation is I've not seen anybody that I've interacted with right, die, okay. that I have some kind of a connection with. Um, yeah. Because, I mean... Did she see the Mavelins die? She might not have. And I actually, don't it, think it, she did, because be they inter- ran around a corner and got... It would be quite generated. interesting
2: if she hadn't, because... You take, as a viewer of Doctor Who, yeah. you take death for granted. You do. And that's a dangerous thing, if you just start thinking, oh, another per- and another person died. And the fact that the Doctor kills people, you take for granted. Mm. So it takes the realisation, not only that of Bill's reaction, but also the realisation that for the first two episodes, she actually hasn't seen anyone die. It's creating this story for her, but she, if she hasn't, then you suddenly... She's seeing, oh, she's yeah.
1: discovering the Doctor... Mm. Uh, you know, and over three episodes, she's discovering them slowly. You know, yeah. quite, quite a lot of questions are beginning, but this one was much better. I thought mm-hmm. there was less questioning, but there were things like, you know, why? Are you, what you're two thousand years old? And,
0: but this is more. Her, I thought you got a lot more in this than you did last week. Unbelievably, but yeah. this is
2: more her questioning him and his character rather than yeah. what he does for a living and how what he does when he travels and how he travels, mm. which is what. Last week's was a bit more about. So it's more about him. And maybe, as... yeah, and maybe for us watching, who we know about the TARDIS and we know about what the Doctor does. So that's very much, last week's was very much going over old mm. ground. This one, we're actually still getting to know Capaldi's Doctor because Capaldi's yeah. Doctor has developed
0: well, on... he's in a completely had, different way. He's had yes. essentially, if you discount the um, Return of Dr. Mysterio, 74 years off screen. Yeah. To for character development yeah. so the Doctor you're seeing now
2: mm.
0: is the Doctor who didn't understand anything about people when he was running around with Clara mm. who's learned a bit off Clara and off Riversong and whoever he would have interacted with while he was living with Riversong and then 50 years in this university so he's got 50 more years of experience of he's, dealing with human yeah. beings on a daily basis yeah. So now you're seeing... And there were still bits. Mm. And, I mean, it was addressed in that very scene. Mm. How come you don't react to a little kid dying the way a human being does? Because I'm the Doctor. And it's not just that he's seen it so many times before, yeah. Yeah. but it's also a part of his personality, but, this but particular he Doctor. He is an alien as well. We yes. forget
1: this. And we we got this with Sarah Jane, didn't we, in the Pyramids of Mars, in mm. that really mm. brilliant bit where she says, you know... Uh, you know, does that not affect you something? Well, I'm, I'm an yeah, alien, yeah. Sarah, you know, so I don't I don't really... Yeah, he's dead. Let's move walking on. eternity and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Whatever the guff
2: is, yeah. yeah. So. But in, in this one, the real difference between pre-this pre, pre this season Capaldi and this season Capaldi is where he's telling the nursery rhymes to the children. Oh, mm-hmm. So he's actually talking to the children, but in a really good Engaging Capaldi, Capaldi yeah. way. It's one of the most horrendous... Is it Grimm's fairy tales? With the, mm-hmm. the thumbs being chopped off. It's one of the most <laughs> horrendous nursery uh, fairy tales. It's in a strip that, that you can Wasn't you can tell a... possibly. Yeah. So so he's doing he's doing he's interacting with children in a very twelfth doctor way. And I, I think what they're doing, what they have to do is make the twelfth doctors because the twelfth doctor's never been instantly likable. He's always shown flashes of being yeah of being charming, but he's always reverted back to a kind of a base level Malcolm Tucker. Yeah. But now they have to make him likeable so that by the time they come to bump him off, we're actually going to, you
0: know... Miss him. Miss him. I think, I think regardless of the fact that this series is a bit of a reset, that that was kind of on the cards anyway. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that was obviously the trajectory of his character from that scene in Death in Heaven where he says, I know what I am, I'm just an idiot with a yeah. box. Mm-hmm. And then you have that reaffirmed at the end of Last Christmas... So we've been going in that direction anyway. I think the fact that they've decided to sort of reset this year, and obviously they've taken on board some of the criticisms about how dense the last two series were, mm. and so they've simplified things a bit. Mm. So this is all just feeding into something that was already happening, but because of all these other things, all these other pressures that are exerting on it as well, they've just really gone for it and said, right, let's just lay it out and have him mm. have him be... The doctor that he would have got to being, but let's just do it and you know, lay it completely out.
1: He's he's he is softer in tone yes. and is really likeable. I mean, the interactions between them are just brilliant, but wouldn't it be great if Bill, uh, not Bill, if, if this 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 doc version of Capaldi's daughter met the earlier version of Capaldi's daughter, which is grumpy, angry, didn't really know. He'd, imagine, imagine interaction. Well, you might, <laughs> you might if you might. I don't think Bill would actually get on with the first version of Capaldi.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: So my third tiny niggle Mm. is um, the result of the forty-five minute episode format. In that Bill's journey in this episode, because like this was another one of my problems with last week. She didn't really have a journey Mm. because she didn't engage or interact. She didn't. Mm. She didn't other than learning the technical aspects of what the doctor does she didn't really learn anything or experience anything about how the doctor's journeys work mm. about the people he meets about how he helps them about how those about how that help filters through to those people so they so they benefit from it she didn't really learn any of those things which obviously she did this week but this week and we've already talked about it she had the big questions yeah about How many deaths have you seen? How many people have you killed? And I thought that was handled really well. And I thought the payoff to that was handled really well. And then the speech he gives, which obviously is flagged up, Mm. I thought that was an excellent speech. Mm. And I thought that was handled really well. Mm. And I thought she did a fantastic job of conveying all that. The only slight niggle is, because it was a 45-minute episode, you didn't quite feel that she had time to absorb one thing before she had to move on to the next. Yeah, yeah. So it was... I mean, some of these
2: themes might come back as well. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, so, But it was just like, yeah. it was
0: almost like she had to forgive him almost before she'd had time to yeah. be angry with yeah. him. Mm-hmm. But that's just, you know, that's the 45-minute format, yeah. and there's not really a lot you can do about that, because if you're going to tell that, story that character development in an episode you've got to squeeze it in between him punching the toff on the nose and saving the sea serpent yeah you know <clears throat> but so that is a tiny tiny niggle but actually the pros of that so far outweigh the cons of that um, that you certainly wouldn't want them not to have done it
1: who was the director for this one oh
0: um oh i've don't
1: know. Actually, it was it was effortless, wasn't it? I mean, mm. we didn't pick up. We haven't picked up on any any of the the directing being not very good in any shape or form, or being overtly trying to be clever or whatever. There's, mm. there's, there's been none of that. there has been no on-screen um, wordage either. What do you, what they? We haven't things? had that since. No on-screen graphics for ages, which has been an absolute joy. <laughs>
2: Do you um, not like on-screen graphics? No, I
1: don't. It takes me right out of the... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Well, that was... You know, uh... If you're going to go to Antarctica and there's a, there's a, a submarine there, but then I'll on it. I don't want to be travelling through the air, you know, kind of drone view yes. with this giant icy lettering floating about. I mean, mm. that's not... You know, that just takes me right out of it. It's a waste of a good scene in my, my book. Anyway, it oh, just looks... Shut looked, up. It's comic strip. It looked beautiful. The mm. whole thing yeah, was yeah, filmed yeah. beautiful. It was yeah. really... You know, there
2: was nothing that was going to make you go, oh,
1: why did they do that? Why there were touches of that?
2: of um, uh, of the first, the very first Mark Gator story. The
0: Unquiet Dead.
2: The Unquiet Dead. There were obvious references to that, with her putting her foot in the snow to start.
0: Mm-hmm. It. Yes. But there was
2: also the feeling of that. That that particular episode was filmed really nicely. They really... Yeah. But they combined that with the Martha as well.
1: Yes. You know, Martha asking about, you know, if I step on a butterfly, do I change it? They're yes. pretty practically revisited that same mm-hmm. scene yeah yeah, but that's quite nice bringing all those things yeah, back yeah. in and because... they
0: did it without making it a cliche and oh. the Doctor that what was its name Peter yes that whole scene was just mm. glorious yeah, yeah. So that was
1: the best
2: version but that we've seen I think yeah. yeah but
0: by bringing these things back it's not copying
2: them it's demonstrating how these different characters react to them yeah so because these
0: that's... are classic questions yeah. yeah that need to that mm. don't need to be addressed but that would the series might be remiss in avoiding addressing, so to address them without turning them into a cliche, and to address them without making it seem like they're just repeating something they've done, hmm. they did a really good job of it.
1: Did they go forward in future to Earth last week? I can't remember, or was it another planet? No, another another planet. Was it because they were colonising? Colonising.
2: Yeah. I like the uh, framing. I like the framing mystery as well. The vault thing. I like the way they're doing it. Oh, yeah. They're not, this isn't, so... In so other, that is not so you' doctor stuff,
1: is, isn't it? On the door, is that
2: Gallifreyan? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's obviously going to be some sort of Gallifreyan Yeah, But I like, I, like, I like the way that they're doing that sort of arc storyline so far in this season. Just having him coming back home. Yeah, yeah
0: rather than being... Because awesome. what's happened so far is either it's become integral to things, mm. or perhaps too integral to things... So that it's kind of, with, for instance, the cracks mm. in the first series, when you got to the Angels two-parter, yeah. I thought that intruded on the Angels two-parter too much. Mm. Well, it became it's, part of the story. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Which I thought was was bringing it too much into the mm. series too early. Yeah. Or else they've just had, like, the word's bad wolf, and yeah. it's like, or Madame Caverian poking her head out yeah. of the wall yeah. or just the, the TARDIS disappears and there's a crack there yeah. behind where it was, which is so, which was often so throwaway. It was like <laughs> they're trying to build a mystery, but they're not actually giving you any pieces of the mystery. Ooh. They're just showing you that there's a mystery there. Mm. Whereas with the vault, what seems to be happening is each week you get a new piece of information mm. which doesn't impact upon this story mm. that's yeah. taking place in the episode but is actually giving you a piece of the puzzle. But it's also so quite, put...
2: quite canny. So the, the bad wolf, the torchwood, kind of worked. I mean, bad wolf worked accidentally in this way. But the torchwood worked because they knew that the viewers were going to stick with it. Mm. So they were going to ask it. Here, I think there's a conscious effort to try and... Intrigue people. Yeah, and keep... And I want to know what's behind the doors. There's it's something John really mysterious about, about these vault doors with somebody knocking on the other side. Knocking. That's, that was that's a, a great
0: big of, clue. Yeah, but he knocked three times. I know he didn't do that, but it was the knocking itself that was the clue. Yeah. It was I'm two, telling you, it's it Johnson. No, it was three. Times. It was three. Oh, but
2: three three, three, three knocks twice.
0: Actually, four times by the end because he did it again times? twice okay. after the. Um... God, you nerds!
2: <laughs> well, I was counting. You've got to count the knocks. It's something. If somebody knocks now in Doctor Who, you yeah, there's no way not. To. Count, <laughs> count the the think
1: it's Wilf at the door. Maybe he's a lot Wilf in there.
0: Wow. Yeah, but you see, this is Incredible. post. Getting stuck on Gallifrey with Rassilon, John Johnson. Mm. So he's lost the four knocks in Rasselon. He's He's lost his, the
1: f- With his big gauntlet hand.
0: No, oh, he's gone. He's been replaced yeah, yeah. by the other Rassilon now. Else he? he's coming back. Mm. No, he's lost one of the knocks, so he's only got three left now.
2: Okay. Mm.
0: Counting down to Missy. There'll be episode six, it'll be... <laughs> and then by episode nine, it'll be... <laughs> and then episode 12, it'll be John Sim. Okay. Uh,
1: my words. I reckon I'll open it at number six, episode six, and then we we'll get an extra six episodes of whatever the backlash is of locking the thing up in the first place. Possible.
0: Yeah, it's not impossible, and mm. certainly, I don't know whether by luck or by design, you've chanced upon the episode in which it would happen if it did. Okay. But yeah it's not I don't, impossible. Even know, I don't know the titles
2: by the way. No, this is not anyway, from the titles okay. this is from what happens, It's so, no, so difficult having a conversation about what could possibly happen <laughs> in this season with, with somebody who refuses yeah. to do
0: even <laughs> official legitimate spoilers.: I know wow. what
1: am I doing on this official Starburst Doctor Who podcast day? Eh? I don't know
2: <laughs> what What is
0: Lee doing here? I don't I genuinely don't know <laughs> what are you doing here
2: I don't know it's my house
0: well yeah that's, that's a fair <laughs> point, but you could go downstairs and just leave the pair of us up no, here I too that's
1: like the drummer in the band he's got the he's got the garage do you know what I mean yeah. so he has to be on the podcast
0: yeah that's true Um, what else because I mean that was quite dense the scene i mean there were so many I tell you what it did it really made light of what could have been lots of quite Turgid ponderous scenes, the mm. bit where they get to the yard, mm. where they find out about the fuel, and they have to have the conversation with the sort of foreman of the yard. Mm. Other writers other television series could have made that a very stern, dramatic, serious mm. scene where they're finding out something important. But in in Doctor Who in general, but in this episode in particular, every time it came to discovering something important. They did it in a really light and easy way, but that didn't detract from the information that they were putting across. So at the end of that scene, you were left in no uncertain terms that the important thing you discovered was about the fuel. Yes. But it did it in such a light and easy way that you didn't feel like they were banging you over the head with information. this uh, This was what I liked. So what I liked about the episode was you were constantly
2: expecting something alien to be behind all this mm. so every scene you're expecting them to discover the alien spaceship underneath the the, the steel mill or the alien spaceship to, here or there all the aliens coming out but every time they had this conversation with the characters and it just turned out to be something fairly prosaic yeah like it's the toff in the big house that's doing it mm. and this is poo <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that just burns oh really the bit well. where she it's discovers done, what yeah, it yeah, is with right
1: but that's it. That, you know, As I was listening to as soon as I worked out that this is all it was, this is, just, this is poo mud yes. that's, that, that burns underwater or whatever, you kind of think, this is what the story's about. The mm. story is just a rollicking adventure that you mm-hmm. might find in an annual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was, I loved this. You know? I'll tell
0: you what this was a little bit like, was the Crimson Horror with Heart. Because hmm. the Crimson Horror was a great story that was a lot of fun. But it didn't really have a lot of... Oh, I
1: don't. Know. It was quite dark in play. It was quite, had a dark theme running through it. I said point. heart.
0: Oh. Crimson Horror didn't have a lot of emotional heft. It did have the story about the mother and the daughter. But mm, as really? is the way sometimes with Mark Gatiss ones, I didn't really feel it had as much emotional impact. Crimson Horror was very camp. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah.
2: It was very kind of baroque and, and the, the actors were playing it. I yeah. love Diana Rigg, but so she was although, playing it like yeah. It
0: so although you had that relationship between the mother and daughter at the heart of it, you didn't really feel yeah. the sort of the family guy, connection. The guy
2: playing the toff in this... Uh, Sutcliffe in this episode was really good because he was kind of underplaying it. He was kind of... Yeah, he he wasn't, wasn't like a moustache twirling, cackling... No. There were bits of that,
0: but... Yeah, he did have a couple of lines where yeah. he... There was that one particular line where he's—I can't remember the dialogue—but he he built up to essentially a jokey payoff. Yes, but the jokey yeah. payoff mm. so still empathy, hit home. Yeah, so yeah. empathy. Yeah, it? that's you right. Know, yeah, although
1: yeah. you're describing somebody with empathy, oh, but not, here, just not your lucky day. Yes.
0: <laughs> but here, you you were getting emotional impact from like every area of the, not just the obvious one with the kid dying. But the the creature itself, and Bill's reaction to the doctor, mm. and the doctor's reaction to Bill. Because as much as Bill learned about the doctor in this episode, it wasn't just that the little doctor's already moved on and become, or or, or achieved a greater affinity with humans. In this episode, he actually learned something mm. about what his own character's like, and he addressed it himself. Mm. That scene where he's reading the story to the kids, that's not just the 12th Doctor being 12th Doctory. That's the 12th Doctor saying, I need to do something here and I need to make a change within myself Mm. in order so that that thing is a real thing rather than just something I'm doing for show. Mm. So when you get that speech afterwards, that speech really hits home because that's actually the Doctor learning on the spot to be a better person in spite of the fact that we've already had two or three years of development to that
2: point. It's also a reinforcer So it's, it's pretty much a remake of Beast Below, the Beast Below as well. <coughs> so the Beast Below is the British Empire built on the back of this yeah, of yeah, space yeah. well. This is the British Empire built on the back of this... This kind of underwater... garrison so Yeah, yeah. And there's, so there's probably similar things you can draw out of it that we drew out of the Beast Below. Mm. I, think. I think what this, this showed is... And there's
0: a... Sorry, just to... Oh. And there's also a slightly um, whether by accident or design, but there's, uh, there are a few nods in here to the current political situation. Mm. They're just a few throwaway sort of allusions to things yeah. that have mm-hmm. been happening. But sorry, go on, Lee.
1: I was just going to say that the what, what the BBC do so well is historicals in general, don't they? they always, mm-hmm. always have done. Yeah, and um, it seemed like again. Well not again, but definitely for this one. It was it was taken seriously. The the, the location was taken seriously. The, the the background artists were all really good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's not one of them poking out looking like he shouldn't be there, not know like what yeah. he's doing.
0: Even just to put in ever yeah. so slightly, the guy that they I can't remember the The Pie Man. The Pie Man. Yeah. Even that. he you thought he was just gonna be a joke character for that one scene. Even he comes back later and gets pathos. Yes.
1: That's what I mean. Is that none of them are massive stereotypes? I know you got the orphans, but we did have those uh, the street urchins anyway. But mm-hmm. apart from that, and they weren't treated stereotype, like stereotypes. No, the, that's what I mean. The, the whole thing just felt a lot more kind of real. So that, that's why it feels like a more of a, a, a true historical. Than and it opened out slightly, the other more slightly I... kind of pastiche. Yeah.
0: Past... Well, the Crimson Horror was a total but, pastiche.
1: Yeah, it was. But I think that was closer than, say, something like the Unquiet Dead. Mm-hmm. As much as I love it, that was a bit of a. A bit of a jokey one wasn't it in, in lots of ways and so with the, anything else you go in the past and you've got the next doctor as a you know with just having the cybermen there and and those cyber dogs or whatever the whole thing you know i love that episode but mm. it didn't feel like
0: you didn't get to meet any of the kids it in didn't episode. feel
1: like a really good weighty bit of bbc historical drama setting location characters with doctor who yeah it was the other way around it's doctor who taken on board images and ideas and locations and thoughts about the past and then throwing Cybermen in and have a bit of a fun adventure. And I, I always keep seeing through this, but this didn't feel like that. It felt like it was a genuine historical drama with the Doctor in it mm-hmm. um, and a big fish.
0: <laughs> great.
1: Which was great.
2: I think Capaldi's costume helped. Oh, he looks great that, in that, 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 that top hat and, yeah, the outfit. did think really, like towns of Chiang. Mm-hmm. comes where Chayanne works partly because the doctor dresses up for him, dresses up for it, and then suddenly gives it. But it also gives that story its own identity. This is the story where the doctor dresses differently in yeah. this
0: kind of yeah. And also, when you dress up, it's not just that you look more a part of it. It's if your lead characters dressed to dressed off the time, like Tom Baker was in Talons, like Capaldi was today, all the other actors respond to that. Mm. And that gives mm. their performance a little bit more verisimilitude too, because they're, they're not always constantly saying, "Is the man in the funny frock coat, we're in Doctor Who. Mm. So in this episode, it was almost like all the other actors forgot they were in Doctor Who. Exactly. And just behaved as if they were in a proper... Sort of period drama, yeah. Apart exactly. from the giant fish thing,
1: <laughs> but he, I mean, even he thought he was in a in a real drama as well.
0: The fish thing. <laughs> the fish, yeah, fish, yeah, fish's
1: acting was superb in this. I thought very good acting. Yeah. Do you reckon it was Andy Circus in that outfit? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Frost Circus instead of a Frost Fair. And, was no, though, and you know, Andy Circus, as in. No, I know who I Andy see, Circus yes, is. No.
2: Oh, God's sake. Oh, God. God. Don't, don't
0: start explaining jokes to one another oh <laughs> god it, uh, okay I've <laughs> said what my three tiny tiny niggles were did yeah. either of you have any
1: um Pearl Mackey's eyebrows I don't know um there wasn't really anything was there, there? Wasn't really. there um, was... hang on let me just think I, mean, I suppose just yeah, I, there really I think the very last scene where the CGI of the, the boats and the Thames looked a bit creaky Mm. Didn't know that I didn't feel very real, but I got that. I, I can't think of anything really that I didn't like about this.
0: This in for me, this was a bit like the pilot in mm. that things that could have been superficial weren't superficial. In the pilot, generally with the introductory episodes, you get kind of a fairly superficial story to involve the companion in, so you can just get to meet the companion. Whereas in the pilot, I thought the companion was fully involved in the story and the story in many ways revolved around the companion, which I thought for me took that episode up to another level because it felt more complete, like more thought had gone into it. Like it was more comprehensively put together. And I felt that way about this too, in that there were lots of things that you could have had in this episode that would have been sort of superficial things to sort of, you know, the the conversation about if I step on a butterfly. That whole conversation, in The Shakespeare Code, that whole conversation is done in 30 seconds in one scene and then it's forgotten about. Whereas in this episode, that thread sort of ran through the episode and they kept coming back mm. to those mm. ideas. And even at the very end of yeah. it, yeah. this is how she discovers how history looks upon these things. So it wasn't None of the, nothing in this episode was thrown away. Everything in this episode that was set up paid off and everything that paid off was set up. So again it was quite comprehensively yeah,
1: but not complex. It was a, it was a simple, no, no. Enough story for everybody to understand adults and kids and I bet the kids are going to love this one. As I, well. think,
2: I think also I'd be interested to watch all three episodes, all of these first three episodes back to back. as a trilogy yeah. Yeah. because I think last week's And this week's the contrasts between them, not in terms of good and bad, but in terms of their look, in terms of the sunny, hot, deserted, dry, and then modern, and then this one, which is wintry, claustrophobic, dark. I think there's a there's they're definitely moving between the different tones.
1: Do you think there's uh, you know these on purpose references to the first Doctor's era, by the way, because we obviously the don't ask, Lee. The Bill and Heather. Don't, Don't ask Lee. Lee. Last week was like the Ark. This week we had an elephant. <laughs> Do you yes. know what I mean? I mean, that's just... You just put that... Don't ask Lee. Don't ask. Don't ask.
2: All oh, right, okay. Oh, and we had to... Did he mention Susan in the first episode?
1: He did? Yeah, he had Susan. No, there.
2: he had the, the photo. with Did you mention it? I mean, yeah, yeah. I wasn't... Sorry, I would no, stopped listening no, to I you. No, I forgot, you know, I forgot just... about it. You know? Okay, yeah, but Susan And of course, Bill is Susan, as episode. we all know, as JR
1: keeps telling us. I mean, no, we know, well... Because he's being the teacher, like... You know, yeah, know, replicating the Cole Hill thing and Susan having a teacher.
2: I don't I don't know how far your spoiler aversion has it's about, gone.
1: It's it's here, right here at this table. Really? I don't know anything about it. Next week, week after, I don't know the title of it, the look of it, nothing. Okay.
0: But he doesn't know. He doesn't know. So we know. can't go into it. I seriously
1: it. don't know, but I can disappear out the room. I don't think no, we need no, no, to no, go no, into don't, it, because we talked about it last like week. Right? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think a,
0: there's anything particular to add from this week to what we said last week. No. No, so... Um, do you want to find out what Simon thought? Yeah, Shall we, I mean, yeah, Should we yeah. go to Simon's thoughts? It would be great if he hated it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we just sat and go,
0: what? We'd have to get
2: him on the phone.
0: <laughs> Simon texted me just after we'd watched the episode, which was came in while we were watching. He says, Simple story gives the episode room to breathe. Moffat bringing the wonder into Doctor Who with Bill's reaction and the set pieces. Thrilled to hear the race issue brought into focus. Oh yeah, yeah, that was very well handled as well. Just to pick him up on Moffat didn't write this episode. We no, uh, to
2: to write um, to, uh, Sarah Dollard out.
0: Yeah, is very, it's very very worrying. Sorry, on No, but we addressed that at the start yeah. of the podcast, really. Yeah, but uh, uh, true. He goes, thrilled to hear the race issue brought into focus. And while some may question the doctor's violent reaction, I thought the hit was a real punch the air moment. (laughs) Couldn't quite work (sighs) out. Punch the air. (laughs) Couldn't quite work out why the privileged. (laughs) Did he he actually write punch the air? Yes.
1: Oh, I thought that was you making a joke, Matt.
0: I was making a joke, H-E-I-R.
2: That's what I thought. Yeah.
1: Is that not what Simon meant? No, he uh, meant no.
2: punch the A-I-R. Yes, yeah, so he's oh. punched the added, A-I-R. I've wow. just added a, a linguistic witticism to Simon's. And now you're
0: explaining your joke. Yeah, yeah. I know, because
2: because Lee's here and you have to explain <laughs> yeah, jokes yeah, yeah, You don't have to explain to know Lee didn't know which one of us had made the joke. That's, right. what, that's what I didn't okay. understand. Yeah. Here comes
0: another one. It was Sorry. good, though. Here comes another one, and this one is being made by Simon. He says, Couldn't quite work out why the privileged, spoiled, compassion-free dickhead was dressed in blue, though. uh uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. Oh, i got it. <laughs> um, he says, nearest thing we've had to an historical since Black Orchid. Oh, yes. And while simple in plot, it reached new depths of meaning for the show. Mm-hmm. Remember to vote, everyone. A deceptively simple 8 out of 10, he says. Who? Should we... The the race stuff. Yeah. Because largely, that was passed over with Martha, you know, except I... in... Yeah. Human nature story.
1: I didn't think anything was going to be said. I thought it was just going to be an episode again, like you say, because it, these things just get passed over. But and it kind of surprised me that it was brought up because I was expecting it not to be.
0: Yeah, it kind of felt like they did that scene at the start so that it wouldn't be. Yeah, and then it was. And then it was. But that the, that scene at the start was like a red herring. It was a, yeah, yeah. a double bluff. Yeah, almost. it was her asking questions again and again. Like I said, it's all these things were being set up and all these things yeah. were paying off.
1: That's right. Uh, of course, yeah, it did. It did you get that payoff in the office mm. with the with the blue man? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I was thing, glorious, it was glorious how everything fit together and felt really easy, almost as yeah. if no work had gone into it. And that's the best kind of writing and the hardest kind to do. Well,
1: what else has this 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 person written again? What's
2: her name, Rachel? She uh, did Face the, the Raven. Raven. Yeah, forward. no, but I mean... Prior, make...
0: she had worked on being human, unless I'm <clears throat> making Possibly. a did she come speak. from
2: sort of the scriptwriter writer,
0: or the script editor? She theory? was recommended by Toby Whithouse, because he'd right. worked... If I'm remembering right, I might be confusing, but I don't think I am. She's Australian, hmm. I believe, but she'd come over to the UK, she had worked on a couple of other things, but the thing... That most sticks out because Toby Whithouse recommended her on the back of it where she did a couple of episodes or something of Being Human.
1: Mm. Okay. I, I want to see her back.
0: And Being Human is a great background for doing ostensibly genre stuff, mm. but at the heart of which are proper characters yeah. with real problems and real issues and real emotions. And mm. that very much paid off in this episode. Because for all the chicanery, all the shenanigans, this was really much more so I thought than last week, about people and sort of it, it was addressing emotional reactions and responses and what people do when they're put into situations. And there was some there was some absolute beautiful bit the bit where she pokes her tongue out at him. Lovely. Because she says, again, I can't remember the line because I'm terrible with dialogue anyway. But the bit where he says, you have to go- move past it. And then somebody says to her later on, one of the kids yeah. says to her, how do you deal with that? And she says, I just moved past it. Mm. And he overhears her and she pokes her tongue out yeah. and something passes between them. So simple. And just so feels like an absolutely natural response. But somebody had to put that on a page and get it right. And somebody had to act it and film it, it and right. get
1: it right. Yeah. And that was incredibly natural. That was so natural. she's It's exactly the sort of thing you would see in, a, in this house right now. Yeah, yeah. of her poking out of her tongue and, you know, her sudden, ha- sudden having to address the fact that this is, you know, quiet. Harrowing situation, but she's just got to deal with it, and she's taken on board what the doctor says after their little fight. For all Clearly. I
0: loved Clara and the relationship she almost had with Capaldi, because mm. as I said when we were reviewing series nine, I I kept thinking we're not seeing the bits we need to see, or we're not seeing the bits I want to see. We're seeing the bits we need to see, and so we're not getting we're not getting the good stuff. Mm. For all I love Clara. For all that, I think Billy Piper did an amazing job in that first series of bringing back Doctor Who so that it was prime time that casual audiences could get involved in. And for all the other ones in between, none of them have been rubbish, all of them have done great jobs. Belle sh she's going to be better than all of them from what we've seen so far. You're allowed to swear.
1: <laughs> I don't know, I was just looking for the words. She's...
0: Um, Surpassing them all is the word I was looking for. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Matt, yeah, 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 yeah. I like Pat Doesn't <laughs> talk when he agrees with something. <laughs> no, no, no.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of that I'm, she's do, She's got me so far. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just aware that if she is only in one, one series, yeah, It's it's a real shame.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that what
2: are saying? I've no idea.
0: Do you know what? Spoilers. It would have been so good to have had four series with Capaldi so he could do two with Pearl Mackie because mm. I wouldn't give up either of those series with Clara. I think those were really, really strong series of Doctor Who that told mm. s- unusual for Doctor Who stories that were worth telling. Mm. And there was a reason he did that. And because she stuck around, he was able to. Yeah. Because she would not have been able to tell either of those series with somebody other than Clara or somebody who had not been around for a while, but it's just a shame that we're not going to get a second but series that, of this. It. It's that feeling, which is exactly what they
2: want you to feel. Yeah, yeah. Because if we weren't, if we were thinking, well, looking forward to the next person, then, yeah, yeah. then actually this season's not going to be a success. Well, the deeper but we get, it, the you
0: want to yeah, yeah. Season, yeah, yeah. Do
1: you know them what them. this feels like? Stephen Moffat's excellent at bringing on uh, characters who you care about, and then he gets rid of them. He either kills them off. Or, you know, they're kind of like, almost like potential um, potential assistants in the, mm-hmm. of the future. Mm-hmm. So, like Sally Sparrow. Maybe RTD did it as well with, um, oh, way back. Um, yeah, he did. But... A few times. Anyway, but you, know, you Linda, get these... Linda
0: with a Y. Yeah, Linda yeah. with a Y. That's what I was talking about. So that and in kind the God thing. Complex. I can't remember yeah. the character's yeah. name. Yes. That was yeah, y. and
1: there are a few there. And you think, well, she'd, she'd, or he'd be great on board the TARDIS. And you're thinking, in fact, they're being pressed to us to to show that, oh, yes, this is a... This, is, this could be the next one or whatever, and then he, they, they get rid of them. Mm. And Stephen Moffat's really good at creating characters that you really care about, and then they've gone for one episode. Yeah. This, luckily, I think Pearl Mackey feels like a, like a one-off character that's had that chance to do yeah. 11 more episodes. Yeah. And we all love her, I feel, in this room. Yeah. I think she's amazing.
2: And also, there's a possi- there is the possibility that Chris Kipling's watching, thinking... Keeper. I really like <laughs> Pearl Mackie.
0: Yeah, maybe. Well, it's not maybe. impossible. No, do, no. do you
1: think it's watching, man? I would
2: imagine he'd be
0: watching. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very unlikely, but it's certainly not impossible. No, I mean certainly
2: if she's and if she's popular with the press and with the the public, and she she builds up that that kind of reputation, they'd be mad not to bring her back. If people start watching because of Pearl Mackie, which yeah. I think is possible, mm-hmm. then. You will, they will, they will have her back next
0: season, next series. Depending on whether she 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 regenerates at the end of this. Well, well, yeah. This is, this is silly speculation from J.R. Lee. Yeah. Yes. Um, The other point Simon brought up that we skipped over briefly that we probably ought to give a little couple of minutes to is the Dr. Punch of somebody. Hmm. so okay we talked about whether he's done it before and we established that Matt Smith had and obviously Tom Baker did mm-hmm. and, uh, and Pert we did quite I mean well well, he did, did uh, no Punishing it was the Venetian stuff oh, okay.
2: yeah uh, well Carnival of Monsters
0: oh did he he got well, into a fist fight well oh, of maybe. course but that was Queensbury rules so I don't okay, think it counts yes. oh, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> well this was pre this was before Queensbury so what can you do that's
1: true. Pretty- yeah, no, you're right, he was a bit more
0: violent. Honestly. Do any of us have a problem with it?
1: Because I have a weird. problem with it in the Seeds of Doom. Yeah, weird, isn't it? That, we have, that he isn't a violent man, shouldn't be teaching people punching, shooting, whatever. Here he is punching somebody out. Mm. But you have that thing of, this is just an absolute git of a bloke. Yeah. And uh, he says this thing straight away against Pearl Mackie, And he, he knows that this guy's not... not well, that's well, the, the second
0: trigger, isn't it? Because the first trigger is that this man's been performing yeah. cruelty on this yeah. creature for his entire life, so mm. he's inured in cruelty.
1: Oh, and people are dying, and yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: and so I think that's the difference between Seeds of Doom and here. Is that in Seeds of Doom, Tom Baker just punches somebody in order to escape? Yeah, but this is also a joke
2: as well. I yeah, mean, it was yeah. built; it was clearly built up to as a punchline. Mm. Hey. That, and I mean, it doesn't. It stops it being violence and it starts it being a comedy punch. And it's, it's a j-
0: but again, yeah. like I've been saying for the last sort of 45 minutes or whatever, it's a joke with a reason that is consistent with all the things that we're talking about in the rest of the episode.
1: But actually, I mean, they did show that he had a bit of a, a swelling or red area on his face. Hmm. So you you actually get, you know, because a lot of the time you get people being punched out on TV and you yeah. never see the... You know, if you Damage. ever if you ever have to try and watch Arrow or something like that, mm. people are getting punched around all the time. And there's nothing happening, yeah. apart from a little bit of a cut and a bruise here. But uh, but um, with this one, I thought, you know, you know, he's punching somebody in the face. You see that he's got a bit of a swelling, but there is this. Uh, but we're still sitting there going, "Well done." Yeah, well, <laughs> there okay. will be
0: people complaining about that. No question,
1: they I have do, not Got but... a problem with it.
0: All right then. Yeah. Unless anybody's got anything else, do you want to score it? Okay. Alright, well I've done mine. <laughs>
1: I I can't give it any less than a ten out of ten. It's just the perfect episode. So Aliens in Dark Waters, hmm. Victorian London, Frostfares, Fairs, per- George- Mackey, George Capaldi. Not Victorian. Sorry. Yeah, Georgian. it's pre-Victorian, isn't oh, it? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Well, wow. get it right, Lee. Oh, come on. They got <laughs> it few, wrong. Only a few years. The production team were calling it Victorian until <laughs> yeah. they realised what they were doing. Okay. Yeah, it is Georgian. Yeah, but uh, that's fine. Oh, I love it.
2: Ten mm. out of ten. Matt, then
1: oh, that was a seven.
2: No, I think ten. I mean, I can't think of any reason not to give it ten out of ten. Really? Pat? Yeah, I can't think of. Have
1: you given anything else a ten out of ten? I don't think so. Not on the podcast. No, maybe not. Wow. Cramps. This was... So but nothing's
2: been dissatisfactory before. <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: It's only Simon that's letting us down.
2: <laughs> yeah, well... Take well, them back well, if two. Yeah, where school. did the two points <laughs> go from? God.
0: God, Simon Misery Brett. <laughs> 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 Shall we um, get into the emails, then? Okay. Um, well, I'll save the longer one for last. Okay, I'm going to do these in reverse order in which i got them then. Um, Nick Knoll from... Missouri mhm that's uh well we had yeah is that MO i don't know it just says missouri okay but he says well, this is his second he sent us one about episode 1 the pilot and he sent us another one which is briefer about um last week's episode and he's from missouri so so he's
2: nick missouri no rather than is nick, nick Simon Noel from
0: smithfield in missouri <laughs> Yeah, no. I was just expecting a reaction from Matt, but it's been so long since I've done it. About the accent I'm about to do. Oh,
2: are you going to do an accent?
0: Of course. Oh. He's from Missouri.
2: Okay. Why wouldn't I do an accent? <laughs> is this the? Is this the? This a is bit, the bit where the Missouri breaks, isn't
0: it? Oh. <clears throat> he says, let's, let's, "Dear Jr. and the boys." I thought this episode was a step back from the quality of recent seasons. I did not find the ideas in the episode to be entirely original. The episode had an arc in space feel with the Robots of Death androids Gone Wild theme added, though not nearly as interestingly accomplished as in the original, and the nanobots from the Empty Child sprinkle in for good measure. Of course, the major problem with this episode was its resolution, the infamous reset button... The emoji mood indicator was definitely displaying a frown when I realised this was how the episode was to resolve, and I would have been in grave danger of being transformed into a calcium-based fertilizer. <laughs> Here's hoping for a return to form next week, which I think we got. Is a his email about the pipe. A bit more interesting. DJR, I hope this finds all the Blue Box podcasters and listeners healthy, happy, and excited about the new season. Here are my five quick equations.
2: I've I've got a bit of wind.
0: So So he was asking how
2: how we were. So I thought I'd be honest about, you know.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, actually my knee hurts a bit. Yeah,
2: there
0: we go. And I've just belched. Here are my five quick equations from episode one of series ten. Number one, Bill's puddle equals the crack in Amy's wall. Right, this is after he'd only seen the pilot. So this is a prediction. He says, he anticipates the puddle and the starry-eyed girl crush to be a frequent recurring theme that builds to a crisis and is the main issue that resolves at the end of the season.
2: Yeah, well, you know, there was something, but it turned out to be something else.
1: I, I, I do so have a
2: feeling that we might get to see her again. Actually, it's possible, okay. yeah. Yeah, I
1: think
0: the girl crush is... Well, you don't think that, that completely... Permanent. okay? If, by some tiny, tiny, tiny chance, it turns out, that Bill is not, in actual fact, Susan, then what better way for her to want to leave at the end of the season than if she actually gets together with the Puddle Girl? Mm. So she then have a reason to stop travelling with the Doctor that didn't involve being lost in an alternative dimension or having a mind wiped Mm. or something.
1: Yeah, happy ending.
0: Yeah, it would be nice for for a companion to have a happy ending. And if the Puddle Girl, Heather comes back, then that would be that happy ending, and you'd get Bill and Heather going off to be married at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, he says, Bill and the 12th Doctor equals Ace and the 7th Doctor. He says, I even hope she takes to recalling him Professor, although I don't expect Capaldi to start rolling his R's. Because obviously he is a Professor, so... That's yes. obviously also a deliberate nod to the relationship between the Seventh Doctor and Ace. And it does have... They, they flagged it up again this week where he says, he turns to her at one point and says, I'm your teacher, of course I'm telling you things. That is, the first time we really saw that in the classic series probably was the Seventh Doctor and Ace, Yeah, yeah. I think. i quite
2: like to know what the paperwork he was fiddling with when he got back into his office was. I quite like to think that oh, yeah. the ref or something, that's one for university administrators out there.
0: Yeah. He's, really, he's, really, worried. he's really worried about... He's really worried about... zero one percent of our audience. He's really
2: worried about the ranking of Bristol <laughs> University and he's submitting, like... <laughs> he's, he's submitting his his research articles to the... <laughs> let move on. He's a Let's move on. for funding from the AHRC... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Number three. Yeah, Nardoil Nardoyle Nardole equals an unexpectedly effective foil for the twelfth Doctor. I had my doubts, but Matt Lucas occasionally gives us insights into the Doctor that we would other have otherwise have no means to learn, and his presence is in fact surprisingly and delightfully understated. Mm, yeah. Can't argue with that. I, I like to, it. I, I have, have
1: it. to say it, being not a massive Matt Lucas fan before the, he was in the series, this is actually um a Pleasant surprise, he's, I have he's to doing say, perfectly well.
0: Mm. Last week, when he didn't go in the TARDIS, I really missed him. Yeah, this week I completely forgotten that he was even in the series. Yeah, at mm. the moment when he turns up at the end, I was so involved in the story mm. this week. Mm. Well,
1: there
2: you are, but I did like that. I like the bit he was in, and actually, mm. I'm now looking forward to the bits that he's in
0: and seeing as well. well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, four. Episode one's specific plot weaknesses equals series 10's overall plot strengths. Much that could have been pleasing Much that could have been pleasing was not to be examined initially, but all that was left unresolved will grow into wild Moffat esque twists and complications by series end. In other words, yeah the dark stuff. Because I suppose if you come in at the start, it's not readily. Readily apparent what's going to be arc and what's going to be, mm. you know, that week's um, discrete plot. Mm. And so I guess he's just. And this is out. this is the, the this is the double bluff that because they've
2: taken it back because they've stripped it back. They You're can also play sure, yeah. play with this expectation that everything's sure everything's going, that Bill is going to be Susan, and we're all starting to speculate it's going to go Mofferty at some point. But I I think maybe it's not going to go well. Maybe it won't go that Moffity. Maybe it won't go Moffity in that direction. Maybe Although, it'll still yeah, be yeah. sort of simple and character.
1: And that'll be interesting, won't it? Yeah. In itself, I mean, yeah, look yeah, yeah, how yeah. simple yeah. and effective the tale was tonight. Hmm. There was no yeah. complexity there. Was there? Yeah. There's no, yeah. Nothing for you to go. This whole oh, that's a Moffity twist. This
2: whole series could be a palate cleanser. Could be <laughs> Moffit's reached the limit, the limits of his excess and his complexity <laughs> with <laughs> heaven sent hell bent. And now this this series yeah. is him instead of ending on this grand hyper Moffity yeah. like arc thing. Arc thing. Maybe it's just it's just him saying I can do simple. I can show run simple, plain Doctor Who, and then leave it from
1: hyper Moffity to palate cleanser. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> five. Mm-hmm. And this is I think more interesting one than it appears, just to read it out, but he says Bill equals a highly complex companion identity. Judging by Amy, Clara and River Song, this is one of the most consistent Moffat themes made obvious in Bill's case by the Doctor's mildly careless photography work. (laughs) No, but he doesn't point it out, but what I think he's saying is that if you look beyond the sort of surface trappings, Moffat I think, oh, because Moffat draws from his own life ...for his characters... ...and draws from people he knows... ...and he draws... ...we saw a lot of it in Coupling... ...he draws from things that he's actually seen happen... ...and he just extrapolates... ...so things like... um, ...well Clara's whole family relationship... ...people complained... ...that we didn't learn about it... ...we did learn about it... ...we just didn't have it bludgeoned down our necks... ...and pointed out and spoken to camera... ...what Clara's family situation was... And again, here, Stephen Moffat's done the same thing. He's given Bill a family background that's not traditional 2.4 children and happy mother and father. But he's pointed it out slightly more obviously this week. But again, he's done it in a way that makes it something lighter and more interesting and a little bit more fun mm. by having the scene with the photographs and Bill seeing Doctor in the background. Mm. So, I think what he's really saying here is that, as a writer, Stephen Moffat smuggles the real stuff in mm. while you're not looking. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he just continues and says, Capaldi's now mature wild haired doctor is a screen presence that your eyes refuse to leave. Mm-hmm. After the years of brilliance we have already experienced and the final and the wild final ride that we have in store, can you imagine the intensity of the regeneration situation Stephen Moffat will create for his own Swan Song and the finale for the Twelfth Doctor? I'd say that I can't wait, but the end of this era will indeed be bittersweet. Mm.
1: Yeah. I don't want him to go.
0: Any of them. I don't want any of them to go.
1: No. Right, the... No, not at the, the
0: moment, anyway. Yeah, we might feel differently in a few weeks. Probably not. <clears throat> um, from Rob Irwin, star of Stage, Screen and Trampoline, he says, and also, obviously, <laughs> from the Doctor Who show, and my co-host of You and Who Talking. Hey. Um... He says, hey guys, just listening to the pilot episode at present after the slight delay and then dropping into your your feed. Good stuff. Oh, obviously this is going to go over Matt's head because you've not heard that episode, so you didn't hear the first hour of it. (laughs) So, okay, this is probably more for me and Lee. I think the pilot's probably been done to death for most people as we sit here in week three of the new series, so I'll comment briefly on the Doctor Who movie comments that were made. (laughs) He says, I tended to agree with Andy's take and to add my own spin I think a Doctor Who movie is a hellishly risky project and one that could turn around and quite easily bite the TV series on the bump. A lot of JR's commentary was making the assumption that the movie would be a smash and think of all the great things that would stem from that but how many movies have we seen even in the last five years with great IPs expecting a smash and they totally flop. That's army. Even something like Star Trek I could Okay, let's stop there. That's Army is based around a TV series that, were, that it still remains popular on minority channels, mm, yes. but that had its heyday 40 years ago. Yeah. Doctor Who movie would be based on a series that is having its heyday internationally mm. right now. Yeah. So you can't compare the one with the other.
2: I still think there's a risk. But anyway. I didn't say a, there was a risk. Anyway.
0: I said the risk was ameliorated by the fact that it was David Yates fresh off the back of Harry Potter who brought yes. the idea to the BBC and not that the BBC were just fishing around for somebody yeah. to do it because they fancied doing a Doctor Who movie. Yeah. And we also concluded that the reason we hadn't had the Doctor Who movie was because David Yates had gone away before it became a thing to <laughs> go back into Harry <laughs> Potter. Do, mm-hmm, fantastic Breasts. Yeah. Sorry? So, <clears throat> Fantastic Beasts. So uh, he made another joke. Do you release right. I couldn't quite hear you, sorry. That's all right. Um, Rob says even something like Star Trek and again that's something that had its heyday on television and hasn't been on television which got mentioned many times has had mediocre film success the most recent movie was so average the cast is even saying they don't know if there'll even be a fourth and if there's anything with a similar pedigree as who, it's Trek it did, it did. It was still a plot but I mean the the, the, the
2: third reboot of Star Wars movie was still a massive success
0: it was a little bit down on the second one um but not, Well, I actually looked it up. Right. The first one made yeah. $368 million, right. uh worldwide, obviously on a lower budget. Mm. So they would increase the budget for the second one. And because they increased visibility, that was $467 million. Mm. So then they increased the budget, I think, significantly on the third one. And the third one, because it was now more about the budget than the characters, perhaps. I've not seen it, so I'm guessing... Are we talking about Star Trek? Yeah. Okay. The, the third one is back down to £344 million, which apparently just breaks it even. Because mm. uh, yeah, other than the budget, which was £180 million, it's, um it's promotion, yeah. marketing, that kind of thing. Almost doubles good, it. Yeah, it? yeah, it's not, it's not... It's not a flop by yeah. any degree. I've
1: okay, to watch this weekend. So. But
0: actually... And the, and but actually he's comparing apples and oranges here because you don't compare the first movie in a potential franchise that's backed by a currently successful TV series with the third movie in a franchise that is already proven successful at the cinema that is not backed by a currently successful TV series. It's slightly apples and oranges there. Mm. The first Star Trek movie was a success, a huge success, the first J.J. Mm. J. Abrams one, yes. one. And that's what that's the ground that the first Doctor Who movie would be looking at for comparison, rather than the third one. Hmm. The third one is development, and um, when I say development, I mean development of the series, the fiction, the that sort of stuff. Hmm. A third Doctor Who movie might flop to the extent of three hundred forty-four million dollars, but that wouldn't necessarily, you know, count as a flop. Do you know what yeah. I'm
1: saying? Also, yeah, but they're also very different types of formats of. You know, there'd yeah. be a different that yeah, yeah. entirely. You don't know how the, a Doctor Who film would would pan out. Whether you'd have one, you know, Doctor and one assistant per film. Whether it would be, you know, a, an arc of three films, no one would really know. Because... Look, but,
0: well, just very briefly, in the first one, I think you'd have to have present day and future and past, so that the whole concept is in the first film. But then a little bit like the Back to the Future films. A second doctor who film could take place entirely on a spaceship, and a third doctor who film could take place entirely in in, in his, in his, his uh, an historical just, situation be yeah, the third one would be an historical right I,
2: well maybe i do think that star you can you would compare it to to star trek because television series. Film franchise. Well, I was going to make a point in a second. Star Trek has the advantage of being pure sci-fi, which is a recognised film genre. So you've got that instant marketing. Doctor Who. One of the best things about Doctor Who is it doesn't attach to a. It's uniqueness. Yeah. So it's much much riskier turning it into. But a actually, but like people yeah. have to pay. But like for. you
1: say, yeah, if the first film laid down the law, then the following films could do what they like. Yeah,
2: the first film it would be incredibly risky, though. I mean,
0: it would be I like think Back would... to the Future was incredibly. Yeah, I, mean, that's risky. That's... I don't think it would have been that risky if we'd have had it two years ago, mm-hmm. at say roughly at the same time as the Force. I Star Trek, Star Trek, Doctor Who, as I pointed out two weeks ago, is almost exactly at the midpoint between the fantasy with sort of historical aspects of Harry Potter and the fantasy with sci-fi aspects of Star Wars. It's got aspects of the mysticality, aspects of the magic. It's got all those things. If you've got David Yates, and if you do it right, and if you put it in the right place, I think you could take as much of the risk out of doing a Doctor Who movie as you could, Mm. obviously you wouldn't be able to do it at any risk at all Mm. but I think that moment's passed and I think that's the point we made in the podcast I wonder, the
2: conspiracy theorist in me wonders whether, because Fantastic Beasts came from somewhere and it would have come from a collaboration between Yates, Heyman and J.K. Rowling is Fantastic Beasts actually the Doctor Who movie we didn't get get? that's
1: what I kind of said the other week
2: yeah, yeah
0: I wouldn't I mean it's as unlikely but it's
2: it's a nice idea
0: Well, anyway, he goes on and he says, A failed Doctor Who movie would blow back onto the TV series, I am absolutely sure, and tarnish it in a way that it might even raise questions at the BBC as to whether the series needed to be rested for a while. Personally, as a fan, I don't need to see Doctor Who on the big screen at all. I'd rather 12, quirky, made on a budget but with heart-style episodes every 12 to 18 months than one. We're betting the farm on this wannabe blockbuster every 18 to 24 months. And that's from Rob. And I think he gives himself away in the the end there. He says, personally, as a fan, I don't think he's making his points objectively. I think, as a fan, you think of Doctor Who as the TV series that's on, hopefully, every year, and you don't want to see that change. Because the reason this conversation came about was because there's been a rumour that Chris Chibnall's been asked to do three series once every 18 months, and at the end of that, they're going to stop making it as a television programme and do a film a year. OK. Or maybe a film every two years. Right. But, but I think the rumour that I heard was a film a year. Right. At least at the start. That's just a rumour. I don't personally think it's got any grounds, because I don't think the BBC have thought that far ahead, mm. because presumably they'll want to see how Chris Chibnall's doing. And because I think the idea of the movie went away when David Yates went away, maybe David Yates will come back. Maybe David Yates will come back, but potentially he's on Harry Potter now yeah. for the next fifteen years. We don't know how things are going to go. I, I, I don't think he'll stick.
2: I, I no. don't no. get itchy feet. I don't well, think he'll stick with the same four or five Harry yeah. Potter's, and now he's back. Yeah, it could be. I, just... I wonder if he'll become a a really close producer of Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let somebody if, else do if Doctor Who does stop being a TV series, go into the movies, I think it's a strong enough idea yeah. now. I think it's established enough idea that when the movies do eventually fail, which they would do event- at some point, I mean, it could be a massive blockbuster success, but the fourth or fifth movie will start to pull, then at some point it would go back onto the television. Yeah. And that might make it, a longer-lasting yeah. product. Yeah, and fantastic! He's doing two doing more, I presume. There's,
1: there's always a trilogy. No it's, no, no, it's like five.
0: Yeah. Well, Harry Potter wasn't a trilogy, was it? it? it was Seven, though. in well, fact, yeah. sort of eight. It's going to make money. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, get better. Is yeah. Right?
2: And also, is it also kids growing up. This is this is five. Is like so these so the Harry Potter films started with children when they were seven, suitable for children when they were seven, last Harry Potter movie, seven years later, probably suitable for children when they're, what, 14, 15? Yeah. yeah. So you grow up with the films. Mm. That's what makes them so powerful, I think.
0: I think, as a fan, if you don't like the idea of something, you look for evidence to support it not working... And I suppose probably also I'm guilty. But I try and be as objective well, we as are, I can be. We are be. fans, aren't we? But, yeah. you, but you know, I'm
1: sure Rob does the do the same thing, where he looks outside the box and looks as a non-fan in. He must do, because well, he wants...
2: Uh, well, yeah, all. but also Rob's got an advantage over us of he seems to know a great deal about the American movie industry, particularly the genre movie industry, because he's got a background in Star Wars, which I've, you know, yeah. none of us... I have that kind of block sense of blockbustery, Who Hollywood was? productiony thing.
0: Well, I don't know, I've got a bit of a background.
2: I've got a film PhD, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I've Sorry. watched
1: a lot of films. You have, you've done yeah, very I've done well with A though. lot of films. You can tell by my size I don't get out a lot. <laughs> That's the <quite laughs> true. So there you are. Although I am climbing a mountain this year.
0: There we go. Um, before we go, I don't okay. know if any of us want to, as soon as we have, before talk about the fact that there's an election coming up. We I don't particularly want to talk yeah. about it.
2: If the rest yeah. of the
1: world doesn't know, we have an election coming up.
2: And the, the Conservatives are very likely to win. Yeah. It's so a little bit clever. And when they win, then screw. Yeah.
0: She, can, I, this I do she waited till she triggered article 50 yeah calls an election and puts herself forward as the only candidate who's capable of seeing article 50 through yeah. with the intention of increasing her majority and her mandate so that she can use that majority and mandate to do all sorts of other yeah, horrible it's really, things
2: really well played yeah i mean it's what
0: you would do i mean if i mm. was a,
2: if i was a politician then this is exactly the position she's spot she's identified that she's in a really strong position and she's... the, to the only, strength. Yeah. The only chance there is is the knowledge that over the last two years odd things have happened in politics. And, and the at world. the moment we're expecting them to win by a landslide but we were
0: expecting Trump to lose massively mm. we were expecting Brexit to go the other way. All I'll say then is this. If there's a candidate in your constituency, who stands a chance against the Conservatives, even if you wouldn't naturally vote for that candidate, vote for that candidate. Don't waste your vote on somebody who's not going to win. Because the only way you can... Even if there's still a Tory government, the only I mean, way I've you can to, stop it... I've got to say, this a is only JR's view. This isn't yeah.
1: starburst view. Because <laughs> I'm sure that the other 20 or 30 people have got different political views to you. and And... Well, yeah, no, I agree with you, actually. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anymore.
0: Well, uh, I, I think... Well, uh, all
1: I'm saying is that if we... if we, All I want is that we get to the end of episode 12 of Doctor Who before the the, the war starts, the global war, okay? So if Korea could just hold off for another, you know, nine weeks, that would be great. Yes. Thank you. Uh,
0: even if the Tories get in, let's make sure there are checks and measures on what they're capable of doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's... it's to, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Tories and I'm not particularly right-wing, but they're not as they're not as unknowable quantity as Trump or Le Pen no, 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 no. or UKIP. They are still the Tories and, you know, I don't agree with a lot of their policies, but it's not like Trump or Le Pen or UKIP. So it's not going to be like an apocalypse. It's, well, it might going, be, it's but... going to be depressing because they're going to be in power for five years. But, but we've got to, we've got to negotiate with Europe
0: now. Yeah. So, well, I'm thinking of other things like the welfare state. Yeah, yeah. That's. The Let's case. make sure they don't get such yeah. an increased majority that they just, obviously, I'm exaggerating here. Just do away with the welfare state mm. because it's, you know they are the Tories.
1: Yeah, but we are the people.
0: Right. On that note, <laughs> what's next week's episode? I completely. Yeah. Um, it's the floorboardy one. What? Of course it is. Yes. You well know There were
1: floorboards in it. Spoilers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) All right, till the floorboards then. I was JR. I was Lee. I was Matt. And we'll speak again soon.